And you are listening to Stuff on Cliff Central. We thought we'd start calling it Stuff Central. Um, and uh, my name is Toby Shapshak. My day job is uh, being the editor of Stuff Magazine. And in studio with me, I have uh, one of Stuff's other finest young writers, Craig Wilson, recently joined us. Hello, Craig. Hi, Toby. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here. And uh, we were supposed to be joined by Ben Kelly, who unfortunately couldn't make it. But uh, our interview guest, John Kotsaftis, who is the CEO of DSTV Digital, unfortunately agreed, poor man, to be part of our panel for the whole hour that we hear, which is a very good thing because, um, as it happens, um, my uh, my gadget of the week is uh, the product that he produced and brought out. So uh, welcome aboard, John. Thanks, Toby. Nice to be here. So... Um, this is uh, this is unradio, but uh, we like to think of it as a podcast, and uh, we thought we'd just discuss some of the, the big news of the week so far, which, f- to my mind, the biggest story has been um, the impending death of Nokia as a as a budget brand, as a low end market brand. Um, news this week that uh, now that the the 7.2 billion dollar acquisition has been completed by Microsoft. They're going to be laying off 18,000 workers, of which 12,500 are from the Nokia division, and that they're going to stop working in the next 18 months on the uh, Asher brands and the low-end stuff. And it's, and it's a real tragedy, I think, because not only is it going to kill off a very powerful brand, certainly in Africa, but it is going to um, it's going to just curtail everybody's access to uh, devices. I see you nodding, Craig Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think the biggest thing with them, too, is just how long they last. You know, for other markets, we've kind of forgotten how important that kind of access to uh, battery life is. You know, phones that last a week really have uh, a lot going for them, particularly in, in developing markets. And now to see those go is sort of sad. But then by the same token, I guess it's not really surprising, given that Microsoft, uh, you know, since it's picked up Nokia, clearly wants to double down on its Windows phone strategy. And... Um, you know, you had a you had so much of a split between the Windows Phone devices, then the uh, Series 40 feature phone devices, and then of course the perhaps ill-conceived Nokia X uh, Android devices. Which oh no! Also come on! Getting... I mean, that's just that's just too beautiful for words. Who would have Who would have thought that the first phone produced by Nokia immediately after the acquisition took place by Microsoft would be an Android phone, open source? You know, there it is. Uh, short-lived, yeah. albeit, but still, you know, <laughs> just worth uh, worth uh, the moment, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit uh, surprised, to be honest with you, in terms of the low-end phones, given that we operate a lot in Africa. And if you look at the penetration of, of feature phones in countries like Nigeria, which is about 70% of the market, it would be interesting if, if I was sitting, uh, hitting up Nokia to try and segue that audience into a smartphone world, and not try and just like, do away with it because it's a big market to just give up. Yeah, I th- I think it is just foolishness. You know, I um the problem is is that that those are the consumers who can't afford a Lumia now. But based on a, I mean, the market still has something like 40% market share in Africa. 70% of of web views the last time I looked from mobile were from Symbian. Yeah. You know, so so That's it's a, huge. It's a I but you know Microsoft's brains trust is notorious for killing off clever brands. You know, MSN was infinitely better known outside of uh, of the States, but because it was known like that in the States, that's what happened. It got uh, it got um, 
it got killed off in favor of the uh, the better known brand in country. And now, of course, they're killing off that service altogether because they have Skype. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of sad to see it go. And I think, I mean, I think it's sort of brave from Nokia to, to take this Windows phone only approach. But there's so many devices uh, to choose from if you're looking to buy a sort of sub 2000 Rand phone. Um, you're pretty spoiled for choice, and especially on the on the Android front, um, you know, there's so many cheap Android devices in every shape and size that it's going to be interesting to see whether Nokia can convince people uh, who perhaps used to be really loyal to their feature phones that it's worth uh, forking out the extra cash uh, to get a, a, a Windows phone, even if it's uh, you know uh, under under 2,000 rand. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and of course there is the the, the kind of the change management that's necessary and all of that in that you have to um, you have to ch- use a different operating system. I mean, it's 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 not such a big thing. Uh, people would say to techies like us, but I watch people in the market. It's you know the average person does not change brands because they were used to the Nokia operating system of 10 years ago. You know sure, that, that's the kind for. of incredible brand loyalty that someone like Nokia got. I mean. Whose first phone wasn't a Nokia, John? No, pretty much, pretty much every phone uh, in the early days was either Nokia or Ericsson. But, yeah. Uh, or those clunky big Motorola's. What's also interesting to note is that, you know, uh, smartphone platforms are about, are about the, the ecosystem, and um, if you look at the amount of development going on in terms of Android and even iOS, um, the amount of development going in that direction and the size of the App Store, um, sort of drives that part of the ecosystem, whereas Windows, I feel, is a little bit weak in that area in terms of volume of apps and the ability to monetize. So developers are not flocking to that platform. Uh, no. So you have to take that into even, account. Even though, I, frankly, I think I, I really rate Windows Phone 8. I think they've done a really great job. I, I'm, it's an impressive piece of, of development, and, and they built it from scratch. They, you know, Microsoft is, a, is, a, is very good at you know, version 4 or 5 of whatever they launch. They're notorious for beta testing this kind of stuff on the public um, and, and have done that with so many different iterations of, of their various softwares, Windows Explorer perhaps being the best example. Um, so what, you, you know, what we've got is a, is a fundamentally good operating system that's got a great interface. It's very clever, the backwards and forwards. I still think the Lumias are the best built of all the, of all the top-end smartphones, um, but the problem is it has 3% of market share and, and – Microsoft has to back its own phone system, but I think it's a long term. It's a very foolish decision. The thing but is, just to just to comment on that, it might not be, because if you look at uh, Apple and where they're playing in terms of the high end segment, they're clearly not playing in the cheapy phone market. No, it's all about premium and keeping that price point and the high margins. Sure, which um, is a pity potentially, given that Symbian devices, the the OS actually feels more similar to my mind to iOS than it does to um, something like Android or Windows Phone. See, what's going to happen, I think, in the lower end in terms of Android is um, you're going to have all the rats and mice competing on price, and you can't really differentiate the quality anymore. So if you look at a really, really good phone, uh, you know, like the Techno, which is actually the third fastest-selling smartphone in, in countries like Nigeria, the build quality is extremely high. Absolutely. Uh, and the price is actually dropping, so it's a race to the bottom. Companies like Samsung yeah. are going to be fighting that battle at the bottom. I, I think I agree with you. I think Samsung is going to be the, the, the biggest loser in this. Uh, the fact that Nokia is going to create a vacuum for these cheapy phones, as we call them, the feature phones, the mid-market phones, because um, all of the Chinese manufacturers are the ones that are going to just snap up that market space. They're already 
uh, growing exponentially in, in their terms and usage. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Lenovo's, the Alcatel's, the uh, Huawei, the ZTE, I can't pronounce the Xiaomi. 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 I've only ever seen it written. I've never seen it, uh, um, I've heard it spoken. So Xiaomi. I mean, they, they, you know, they're laughing all the way to the bank because they just don't have the, the, the legacy of it. They, they're making, you know, they, they, what do they call them? Reference phones. Uh, someone like Qualcomm, yeah, which makes yeah. the chips. The reference design. Yeah, we'll give you a ref, we'll give you the, the basically everything you need to know to make the, the, make the phone. And the reason they do it, like Intel used to promote, uh, extravagantly for desktop. The reason that, that Qualcomm does that is because they want it, they want you to use their parts, which everyone does. In fact, there's a lot of them in uh, in the iPhone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I'm, I suppose I'm the presenter, so I have to ask the next question. Um, what do you think? Uh, what's been the big thing for you this week, Craig? I suppose uh, Celsius announcing today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's my big one. I see you've written today. a story on stuff.co.za. <laughs> this is true. No yeah. punting intended. <laughs> So, I mean, we've, we've, it's been a lot of fun watching the sort of price wars unfold. It all started, of course, back when Celsi cut the rates to 99 cents a minute and then encouraged everyone to follow suit. Only everyone didn't follow suit. Uh, Vodacom responded with a similar rate, but were very sneaky and listed it as per minute, which means your actual paid rate works out a lot higher because they charge you for the minute even if you don't use it. Yeah. They subsequently rectified that. MTN, meanwhile, took, I think, at least six months sitting on its hands doing nothing. Uh, to respond and only responded when um, its lot, sort of financial results showed that it had lost a couple of hundred thousand prepaid yeah, users. Yeah, and 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 Blue Label, the the you know the biggest seller of airtime, showed that in their results. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I think it's great. You know, this is where Celsi plays. They they cut rates. They're really aggressive, and of course they have to be. They've got to try and convince people to move. And as mentioned earlier about the sort of brand loyalty with Nokia. You know, people will actually put up with a great deal, I find, before they'll they'll move because it's considered to be such a schlep and such a, you know, a hassle to do. Such a schlep. We yeah, are broadcasting exactly. from Ravonia after all, huh? So, Hi, John. Hi. How's the Toby? How are you? I'm fine. Oh, you stepped right in, hey? Which King David did you go to, Toby? Oh, I didn't. I couldn't, you know. <laughs> I just couldn't focus. So, uh, yeah, good uh, Good news, I think. I mean, I, the questions remain about Celsius profitability and sustainability. Um, sure, despite that huge head office being built at uh, Buclu. Well, you know, I mean, that's a, a, a terrifying thing because it's usually the, the, the building of the head office that signifies the impending implosion of a company, doesn't it? It's <laughs> a, I, I hope it's not commentator's curse, but that, that very does very often does uh, precede it. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the thing with this uh, this cut, which we haven't actually spoken about the rate, uh, the rate's 50 cents a minute. Um, and Celsius gone to pains to point out that it's per second billing from the start. And that's yeah. the other big thing I think Celsius has going for it, and hopefully that it'll, it'll encourage the operators to do is these really simple, no no mess, no fuss, really easy to understand packages. You pay one rate to every network all all day, you know, all the time. And similarly with uh, data rates, you know, one flat out of bundle rate that isn't uh, too random a minute like some of the other uh, larger operators, which is ap- absolutely ludicrous sort of rate to have to pay. Um, and it's that sort of thing that will win people over. But I think they still need to do a lot of work uh, explaining to people, particularly prepaid customers, just how easy it is to port, um, you know, and to, to keep your number and move between networks. I've been a a serial porter myself, and it actually started with that Celsius 99 cents uh, a minute rate. I, I moved to them 
um, as soon as that rate came out because I, I felt like if I had the info, I was foolish not to, um, only to port to Vodacom uh, later because I had terrible Celsius coverage. And I think that's the other big impediment is I know there have been the a lot of complaints porter. about the, the coverage uh, the coverage in major centers. And yeah, and, and I, I think that's the, the, the kind of uh, the thing that people often um, often ask about is like, is there good coverage? And, and I suppose it's only there, you only see it when, you you know, you test it. How else do you test something? I suppose buy a prepaid SIM well, my and trick try is it out. Or get a friend around who's on the same network and get them to check if the coverage is... You know, everyone's got sort of dark spots. I, yeah. I find regardless of which network I've everyone, been on... And everyone has dark sides. Dark sides, yeah. Um, there have always been problems with connectivity somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, I think the trick is just to check, do you have coverage at home? Do you have coverage at work? Uh, and hopefully you'll uh, get by on that. Yeah, and I, I, it's interesting. I mean, some, some places have... Superb and some don't, and I've asked similar networks. Anyway, it's a it's a complicated thing of of uh, the networks, the cell phone towers expanding and contracting, depend on how many muses are there, etc., etc. And uh, you know, one of the criticisms that the other networks uh, say of of Cell C is that Vodacom, for instance, spends something like eight or nine billion rand a year rebuilding its network. Something like seventy percent of its network has to be rebuilt to, just to cope with the increase. Of, of usage uh, of usage of people using more and more data sure. the requirements for for that data uh, to be there I think you know Vodacom's buying Neotel in part because of their 15,000 <laughs> kilometers of of, uh, of fiber yeah you know yeah. and that and the value the value to have the fiber and the connectivity because we do live in a we do live in a very different world and the the, the, the way things have been shifting internationally is that you have a cell phone so that you've got voice calls and, and data when you're out and about, but that at home you have a, a, a wired broadband connection. No one really uses it as a phone line anymore, internationally that is. Sure. And you just have this big, strong connection at home, and it would allow uh, in numerous really clever services. I see, John, um, uh, there's some upgrades coming to your Explorer decoder that you can plug uh, plug into the back so that you can get capacity through the uh, – through the internet, you can you can stream stuff. Aki and I were discussing this on the on the yeah. TV show a couple of weeks ago. It's a, a very clever move, cheaper than bouncing it off a satellite. Actually, uh, satellite is still for Africa the best way of delivering content um, because you don't have issues around you know reliability of the broadband, uh, etc. We are launching something, and we've we've made a public announcement about connecting the explorer to the internet uh, towards the latter part of this year. We've had some challenges around rolling that out, specifically around guaranteeing broadband um, reliability at, at the home. It's a, it's a big issue for us. We've 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 co- we've come up with ways around that. It's an interim solution, and that's to actually download the content to the actual device entirely instead of streaming. Uh, streaming is rather unreliable in South Africa. If anyone's got a two meg line, you'll you'll notice that sometimes you'll yeah. have less than 200k, and the next day you'll have over a meg, and it's very difficult to, to welcome to Mala to <laughs> create a quality of service around that. So it's been a challenge for us, but we are launching. We, uh, you know, towards the latter part of the year, it, it will give us our customers the ability to watch about 650 hours of catch-up content, which is a huge catalog, uh, refreshed daily. Yeah, uh, all the major shows and and uh, over 100 movies, etc. So well, let's. We were, we, I invited John originally in for the for the interview slot, which takes place now. And the, and what I really wanted to talk about was. Um, I thought you were going to ask me about what the news of the week was. Yes, so I'm, yes. I'm preparing my like news of the week segment. Yeah. No, but I, I mean let's let's just move into that because what I what I wanted to talk to John about was 
was uh, the streaming of, of, of sports via the apps, which, which I, I'm, you know, I, I, I always consider myself a geek, so I do play with things like this. And I just found anecdotally everywhere I went, people had discovered it. I got to my office and people were streaming cricket and, and, uh, football during the World Cup. And that's, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about it because that's a, I mean, I, it seems so obvious whenever I say to people you can stream sport via the Supersport app, they all kind of go, yeah, well, of course you can. But actually, it's pretty remarkable technology to be able to do that, not just the, 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 the writing of the app, but the compression of the data, how it all works, what it does, and the fact that it's, it's a pretty good user experience. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge challenge to bring something like that to market because it's not about necessarily writing the front end. That's relatively easy to do. The, the hard part is the actual production side and getting it all out there. So we uh, at Supersport, they cut um, highlight clips for every single match. I've seen that. I, I watched a lot of the a lot of the, the highlight packages of the Football World Cup. Yeah. I stayed awake for Germany's 7-1 thrashing of Brazil and fell asleep within the first five minutes. So, <laughs> well, you would have got that on the on the on the highlights. Yeah, I, I watched it. Well, we'll talk about the Explorer later, actually, but. Yeah, that's what I and I could have so, watched it on my phone. So the highlights are available on the phone. We also do the live matches, pretty much across all the different sports genres. Um, at 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 all times, you've got something to watch. So if there's anything major happening, like the World Cup, every match is streamed on all the platforms, Android, iOS, as well as PC. Um, and it gives you a great second screen experience. So there mm. were examples, for mm. example, in the World Cup where we had two games on simultaneously, and a lot of our customers were actually using the app to watch the second, second match game. and using their TV to watch the first match. Yeah. It actually worked really, really well. Yeah. Aside from the fact that you can watch in the office and while you're on the move, it has a, a great use case inside the home as a second screen. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I you know, in stuff offices, I was I was going to buy us a walker or maybe another decoder and everybody was watching via the, the Android, I mean, the, the iPad app. Yeah, if we could solve the data issue in terms of people being aware of the data that they're consuming, Look, it's it's okay on 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 Wi-Fi when it's an uncapped line. I mean, Absolutely. it is. It's about what four and a half megs a minute. Yeah. Is that correct for SuperSport? It's uh, a bit less than that. So it's probably less. around okay. about a meg. Okay. Oh, really? A, a meg about, on, the, about, on the low end, so we can go okay. down to about 100 kilobits per second. Okay. Um, and, and the uh, system will do that depending on your line, right? Yeah. It'll so work we start off. Does uh, it dynamically adjust so the had, bandwidth? Yeah. So we dynamically adjust. We actually went down to 100 kilobits per second. And um, we start off with a really poor bitrate, and we, when, once we see that your line is fast enough, we actually up up the okay. bitrate yeah. to get the quality up. Right. And, and what was? I mean, I don't know if you can release figures if you have any, or if you can or can't. But I mean, there must have been a massive uptake. I mean, I, anecdotally, I saw it all over the place. Yeah, there was a there was a big update, and obviously, in terms of uh, simultaneous usage, you know, we had we had probably the best the best response we've ever had in terms of live matches. I can't release figures. But um, you know, it's it's uh, it's still got a long way to go, and it's, it's largely to do with the amount of fixed line uncapped penetration in the market. Mm. If you look at countries like the UK, for example, which has in excess of 80% fixed line, these over-the-top plays and Wi-Fi is ubiquitous mm. Mm. Um, are are sort of uh, are mainstream because data is like oxygen. You know, you, you breathe it; you don't really have to pay for it. Yeah. Um, whereas when you've constantly thinking about how much you're consuming, which is typically typical of a mobile uh, data package, it's a huge challenge to get people to consume the content. So our products are ready. The networks aren't necessarily. Yeah, I, I have to agree. You know, I've been saying this over and over for years. I get asked often, 
interestingly, always by radio stations, why South Africa doesn't have a Silicon Valley. And I say because our people are not, the, the, the bright young minds in South Africa are not spending their time saying, gee, I'd love to share a video with my friends over the Internet and come up with YouTube or how can I show my friends a picture on mobile and come up with Instagram? They're terrified they're going to hit their BlackBerry data cap, you know, if, if, and they're still on a BlackBerry. Blackberries were, you know, had their place, but we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a very mobile first world, which is in fact what uh, Satalia Nadella, the new CEO of Microsoft keeps saying. He says we are mobile first and cloud first. In fact, um, 14% of, of, all devices sold last year, according to Gartner, the research company, or 14% of all devices sold last year were Windows. So Microsoft, as, as a lot of people have been saying, are the new underdog. And in many ways, they are. Their, their business model is predicated around selling Windows packages, and people are just not buying computers. They are they're buying mobile devices. They're buying smartphones. They're buying tablets. Uh, a lot of them are, you know, might buy a Windows service on top, but you know, if I if I have an Android device, I'll just use G Drive. If I have a, um, a Dropbox, why would I use anything else besides Dropbox? Mm. It's a huge challenge for Satya to get that to, to move the tanker, uh, yeah, like Microsoft into the space because it's not it's they're coming into it late, like they did with Search. So yeah. if you look at Bing, for example, they came in very late. They missed they missed the boat on Search. Um, and, uh, and a lot of other initiatives as well, you know, like, uh, you know, the Zune, for example, which is yeah. a spectacular failure. I so mean, who ever thought of, 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 of uh, producing a competitor to the all-white listening iPod in its day by making it shit brown? Yeah. I mean, who chose that <laughs> color? Yeah. Really? Like mud brown. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear, Gareth. You know, but like, you know, anyway, so, so interesting. At least he's conscious of it. Um, and, uh, and, as hard as those cuts are, those jobs are, you know, they, they were, you know, there's a lot of blame. I've seen online a lot of people blaming Stephen Elop, who was the Microsoft manager who was brought in to save Nokia. Yeah. I don't think it was his fault. I think it was the people before that who failed to see what a sea change the world was going through and kept with the Symbian system and banging the drum. And it was long dead before they switched. But, but, but I think a key thing, you know, and I saw it with BlackBerry as well, you had a very closed environment. BlackBerry was in, the, in yeah. Canada in a very small town. Uh, everybody clocked out at 5 and clocked in at 9. Uh, they were all engineers, and they, 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 their focus was around building a fantastic, high-quality phone. Similarly with, no, with Nokia, they boasted about battery life. They boasted yeah. about fo- call quality, and, all, and those are important things when phones are important. But when Apple came along, they said, this isn't actually a phone. This is a computer in your hand. Yeah. And they, they, that was the design ethos. Was it didn't really matter if the phone didn't work, and if you recall, there was one of the phone ranges that actually had a, a, a antenna issue, and Steve Jobs, you know, famously came out and said that you're holding the phone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the the key thing with the, with the iPhone was it repositioned. It, it was a new device. It repositioned yeah. the traditional concept of a phone into a new space. And when you're engineering led and you're focusing on call quality, you're going to miss that. The fact that UX is important and apps yeah. are important, etc. So I, I often say that, like everyone, you know, Apple gave us beautiful products and this and that. My contention is they gave us ease of use. A one-year-old can use an iPhone. A one-year-old's never seen a computer, can pick it up, work it out, play with it. I mean, of course, you know, I, I, you know, I'd love to see a one-year-old try and do that with a with a a non-Android, a non-Windows uh, phone. Although Jason Norwood Young. Um, we're a notoriously well-known geek in South Africa. 
his six-year-old son, Ethan, has worked out how to do voice search with an Android phone uh, for Minecraft videos. <laughs> it's a we great, should, you should great, see, you it's should. He's, he's cracked it. He's worked out the interface. I, I was actually watching a full discussion between Siri and my daughter, who's three years old the other day. <laughs> and they were both talking to each other, and it lasted for about three minutes. It was amazing. What was she asking? Just, I'm at school. <laughs> I had to wear my pajamas today, and Siri was like giving some other response about the weather. <laughs> Would you like me to search Google for pajamas today? <laughs> it was actually hilarious. Oh, that's but, so great. That's the kind of stuff you want to record, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah unfortunately, it was on the phone, so I couldn't actually yeah, yeah. record it. Yeah, yeah. It was classic. But so, yeah, I think you make a good point. I think the thing that a lot of people forget, too, is that Apple for most of its really innovative projects, whether uh, I mean products, whether it was the iPod or the tablet or, you know, they didn't make them first. They just made them really well. You know, they, yeah. they didn't make the first touch phone. They didn't make the first MP3 player. No. They, they just they, really got they, that user interface and simple. user yeah. experience you know. uh, really great. Um, and, uh, and that's the challenge now, I think. I think it's why Apple's held off on things like the iWatch as well. They've looked at things like Samsung, who's happy to push things to market a little like Microsoft they, and they, see what sticks. But, um, you know, Apple sort of seems to want to hold off until it makes sure that there's a product that's actually going to add value and that people are going to going to really want. And the, yeah. other, the other key thing with Apple is they, de- they design their devices as a primary buy so that you can have a secondary buy. So yeah. the idea is that, for example, when they brought out the iPhone, uh, Mac sales bumped because mm. people now are getting used to the iOS, uh, iOS uh, operating system. Well, that was the original apps. idea between the iPod that it would be the Halo product that would get people to buy Macs. Yes, correct. Mm. And uh, it happened exactly the same with the iPhone. So once you have an iPhone, buying an iPad is just a, it's just a, a different form factor. But the, the 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 product and the ecosystem comes with you. That's so as, as you mentioned before that once you're in the apps ecosystem and you've paid for the apps, you're in the ecosystem. Correct. And arguably, it's it's sort of working. You know, Apple had their last quarter's results out earlier this week, and um, uh, you know, the iPhone sales continue to grow, particularly in places like China. But they also happened to sell 600,000 more Macs in that quarter than they did in the quarter of the previous year. Um, you know, so there certainly is, granted, that's not a huge push, and that's nothing, in, a drop in the ocean compared to how many PCs get sold. But it's still up. You're still it, seeing more is, Mac yeah. sales on actually, the back of no. iPhones. My news of the week, actually, uh, just going back to that. Yes, no, we've, let's, let's was, do that. We have a few a, minutes. an in-depth report I read about the, the Apple results. Interestingly, the iPad sales are dropping. Yes. Um, so, mm, so they've that. had a disappointing quarter. It was below market ex- expectations. So um, they've had a 9.2% decline. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, the IDC has actually published some results around worldwide tablet shipments. Globally, uh, worldwide um, tablets quarter on quarter have declined by 35%. Yes. Which is very interesting. So I, I was want to ask I, you the question, why I, do you think that's happening? I, I was going to ask you that. You see, I'm the presenter. I'm I've got an idea ask. if you like. Yes. So I think part of it is the upgrade cycle. Right? People yes. don't upgrade their tablets nearly as often as their phones. That's the Unless one they have yes. money to burn. Um, and the other one, I guess, is that there is maybe a little bit of sort of fatigue on this. I know some people who've bought iPads who say, oh, I use it to read the odd magazine and otherwise I don't need it and ha- therefore have no desire to buy it again or to, to buy a newer one until there's something that really, you know, that it, until it really replaces a gap for them. Obviously, that's user specific. But I think the upgrade one's certainly a big one. I'm still using an iPad 2 for that reason, mostly because as much as the res is starting to look really sort of antiquated and a bit crusty, um, I just can't justify the expense of buying a device that I don't use that heavily. That's a fireable offense at Stuff Magazine, but don't tell him, John. <laughs> uh, no, I look, I have to agree with you. And I also think that the, to, to some extent, the, the original markets, the, the developed markets are saturated. People mm. just, there's nothing wrong with my current device. 
same way that we've seen the same saturation with PCs. You know, instead of buying a new computer every two years, people will wait three or four or five or even longer, you know, and, and buy a new iPad or buy a new uh, tablet of some kind. You know, Samsung's Samsung's producing like one a year. They, they're pretty innovative and they close a whole, a whole bunch of other gaps and sizes and markets and this whole pro tab idea that it's bigger, it's, you know, you can add on a keyboard. Um, I, but I, but I, yeah, I think, I mean, my answer would be that markets are saturated and there's a, there's a, there's a kind of, uh, renewal that isn't happening. The upgrade cycle is, is, is much longer than a cell phone. I mean, most people, um, get a, an upgrade on their phone every two years if they're on contract or, you know, when there's a big significant announcements. Sure. Um, you know, we often, we, uh, you know, we see a, a rush of stuff towards the end of the year. Um, Mm. Also, I guess we shouldn't forget that there is this uh, the ongoing effects of this uh, little you know global economic downturn. And if you have to pick a device, if your choice is between a phone and a tablet, a phone's going to win out. Yeah. Um, especially for most people. And I guess yeah. that's also why we've seen such success from things like the Samsung Notes or the so-called phablets. Mm. Yeah. Um, because if again, if you if you only got the money for one device, that's the way to go. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and interestingly, mm-hmm. I like all the people. Um, a lot of, or a lot of, I should say, well, a lot of the people I deal with at the big manufacturers who can choose a phablet over a phone have all gone for a phone, a Note 3 or a Sony Xperia Z or a, the big LGs or the big um, Huawei's. They all, everyone who can, and they and they, they say to me, it's it's a great in between. I can be out of the office all day because I've got it. Uh, I still use the iPhone 5, so I'm quite happy with the screen size. Although, if we really wanted to, you know get into yawn-inducing, rumor-mongering. We could talk about the new iPhone 6 having a big screen. But why would we want to do that? Too? Exactly. I mean, I, you know, the, 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 they're going to come with it anyway. But the people who are in a position to choose all choose a bigger tablet, phablet, because it's somewhere in between and you can hold it in one hand and you can do multiple things with it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the reason. There is a, there is a decline in, in tablet sales in general. And I... It's interesting. I, it, the one thing that everyone said you do with tablets that you wouldn't do with anything else was read magazines. It really was punted as a great, great panacea, the great white hope for the, the great consumption device. Yeah, and I and I find myself actually I subscribe to a whole bunch of the magazines I read it. I read in print. I read it, it, it in print, like Business Week and Time and uh, Fortune. And I and I I stopped subscribing on the iPad. But I found myself a, like a year or two later, so the end of last year, beginning of middle of last year, I subscribed on my Kindle, on my Paperwhite, and mm-hmm. I read Business Week, uh, MIT's quarterly, uh, Fortune every two weeks. I read them on the iP- on the Kindle, and I absolutely love it. I prefer the Kindle reading experience to to the iPad, mostly because it's the different display technology Definitely, instead yeah. of a, a screen that keeps you awake. As opposed to good old e-ink, and you can read. You know, I'm reading books uh, with gay abandon. <laughs> Your favorite kind of abandon, I hear. Indeed, indeed. Anyway, we've moved uh, into the next uh, uh, segment of the show, which is where we uh, we review our gadget of the week, actually. And um, I, uh, I one of the the gadgets I've had on my list to talk about, even though it has been in the market for a while, actually is the DSTV Explorer. So. I'm going to shamelessly use the fact that John is here and in the office to uh, to get him to run through what is one of my favorite devices. And I think I think why I like it so much is that um, the user experience that we've been talking about before has finally gotten there. You know, until uh, no one knows the story, John's a 
John's a doyen of internet services at, at NASPERS. He was responsible for several hundred million dollar businesses around the world for them and got brought in to do the decoder side of things for uh, for DSTV. And I think it's a great idea because what's happened is you've brought to my mind an internet usability consciousness to the display of the Explorer and, and notwithstanding all the kind of extra features that are there, um, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of South Africans who are deeply grateful that you've made the screen experience a lot easier and that, that it, and it replicates a web-like experience. So, uh, so my question is, why did you do it, John? John, why? Why? Yeah. So a couple of reasons. The one is, you know, as uh, you, you, you put a lot of VOD in front of somebody, video on demand content, uh, as one of the challenges is, is people get overwhelmed. Mm. Um, there's that it's very difficult to discover things. Um, similarly, with the number of channels that we have, you know, you'd be amazed. You add five awesome channels, people can't find them, and then they say there's nothing to watch on DSTV. <coughs> but the pe- well, people will say that of, you know, a hundred channels, there's nothing yeah. to watch. <coughs> yeah, so it's called the paradox of choice. You know, the more choice you give people, the more they're likely they are to yeah. be stymied by how much is available to them. Correct. So, I mean, one of the challenges we had was how do you make it easy to find things? Um, and, and, you know, the internet VOD services like the Netflixes of the world and the app and the iPlayers, etc., the BBC iPlayer, all had a similar way of discovering content, which is to look at it like a bookshelf in a video store. You know, so you're looking at the box art. Yeah. Um, people like more to visual. Look, more visual. You know, they like to navigate it um, using, uh, you know, up, down, left, right, click. Um, so it has to be done very simply. Uh, you shouldn't have to click too many times to find the content. And then, of course, there should be a lot of interesting metadata around the content so you can search better. Yes. So a lot of that stuff, the challenge we had was how do you get that to somebody who's in the middle of the Karoo with no internet, uh, which is the typical African scenario. Yeah. Right? So so we, we use satellite in a clever way. And what we did there was we actually dedicated some satellite capacity and built the box to really suck data off satellites. Okay, um, so that's the delivery mechanism. That's the delivery mechanism, and people think they're downloading, but in actual fact, it's already there. The content's so already a, there. Yeah, there's an so I play open box office. Actually, I watched the great little movie called Better Life Through Chemistry with Sam Rockwell, and it's a it's a really kind of quirky little movie. You know? it's, I rented it to not even a minute later, there it was ready to go. So you have a really big hard drive in there, and you're actually storing it. Correct. And you can use the quiet times in the middle of the night when people aren't watching to trickle that content down to the box. Yeah. In fact, with the, with Explorer, we actually we don't even need the quiet time anymore because there's dedicated capacity okay, to do that. Okay. So we actually it's a glorified data sucking mechanism. Yeah. It's got a dedicated tuner on the back of the box, a dedicated transponder on the satellite, and we're just pumping we're just pumping VOD onto that box, but in a clever way. So. We actually curate the content. We make sure that it's I've the right stuff. I've seen it's via latest sport movies, series. Yes. And you and you, uh, what do you call it? Stacking. You it, when like the new version of House of Cards comes out, you put the previous version or Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, I've it's it's so curious to me. I sit with people raving about, oh my god, I'm watching House Game of Thrones on my decoder. Yeah. You know, it's a so, great great service. So a couple of things. I mean, you know, we looked at other um, you know competitive forces like like piracy, for example. And, you know, everyone's the initial reaction is, oh, piracy is bad, let's try and kill it, which obviously um, there, are, there are groups that are trying to do that. However, 
piracy has taught us a lot of good things, and it's changed user behavior. So one of the user behaviors is people like to binge view content. So mm. they don't necessarily like to wait one week to watch an episode. They want yeah. to watch three or four in one go. So we thought, well, why can't we just give that to our consumers and uh, provide them that value? It doesn't matter that it's uh, you know, it's actually easier because once you're on the decoder and it's freely available, it's in Dolby and in HD, yeah. at the click of a button, you can get it. And I think a lot of people go to other other options like piracy because they, they just want the content. They yeah. want it now and they want to watch three or four of them at the same time. So that's what the Explorer brings you. And what we've done with series like House of Cards, which is a world first actually, yes. Um, is we've actually put um, on a pay TV decoder with no internet the entire series before it even goes on air. So we had that House of Cards series two was available yeah. before we even put it on Mnet. Sure. And uh, it's it's really great. And I, I um another thing I've noticed you do is is I don't, I don't know what your phrase for it is instant access or something that once it appears in the yeah. states it appears before that and so it's you know I I know this that it's uh, people have told me it's faster. Yeah. It's faster than piracy. Um, you, yeah. you know, it, it gets, you know, it's there, it's there immediately after it broadcasts in the states on catch up. It's it's Great. fantastic. Those are the those are the three things, right, that you need to do if you're going to combat piracy. It's got to be readily available at the same sort of time. Uh, you get the bonus of knowing that it's high quality great content. Yeah. You know, you don't download it to find that it's a, a terrible quality rip or similar. Um, and and the sort of price. If you make well, it convenient well, and, and cheap enough, people yeah, will take it over piracy what, any day. That's what yeah. Steve Jobs, uh, since Steve, uh, did with the iTunes stores. Since it was Steve. it was easier to it was easier to buy music than to pirate it. Yeah. It was simple to understand a dollar a song, you know. And it, and I and I and I you know I think I think you've done the same with the Explorer. Well yeah. done. So that service you're referring it's to. It's cheaper and faster than piracy. Yeah, considering piracy we, we call free. that uh, Express from the U.S. It's actually okay. a, a feature that Mnet brings us, uh, and together with uh, with Explorer, we're able to um, get a piece of content from the U.S. almost as it airs, put it on air uh, even at the wrong time in the, in South Africa. So, if, for example, we we get it, we can, we'll put it on at three o'clock in the morning. Even no, I've a, seen this with Ray Donovan. Yeah, you know, Ray, like I've been watching the news kind of avidly because of the Malaysian airlines and the the Gaza stuff and and you know like i'll check catch up and you know catch yeah. up on soccer highlights or during the world cup or you know i've like checked a couple of and there it is bang yeah. it's ready to go it hasn't even broadcast in south africa at prime time yeah. you know it's usually a day later isn't it, yeah. it, it and it, there it is on catch up before it's been broadcast normally quote unquote that's right so well, if I, you can watch something in dolby plugged into your amp lean back on the couch and just press OK and it's it's available for you immediately, why would you bother uh, pirating it um, if you were able to watch it immediately? A lot of people pirate because they can't watch fast enough. And now we, yeah. now we bring that value to them. And the Explorer sort of unlocks all of that. Anyway, I, I it, was, it was on my list for one of my gadgets of the week. So thank you for doing all the hard work. And well done because I do know how much of a part you've played in it. Uh, what's your gadget of the week there, Craig? So my gadget of the week, I was pretty surprised by it. It's the Alcatel Idol Alpha. Uh, it's an Android phone, and I know that uh, off the bat doesn't Give sound it to John to play with particularly so look exciting at it. because there are so many Android phones out there. But I, you know, hadn't uh, didn't know that much about Alcatel handsets before. I'd seen one or two. They weren't um, they weren't fantastic, frankly. Um, this one's pretty fantastic. So firstly, it comes in at about six and a half thousand rand, which is fairly competitive. It puts yeah. it somewhere sort of <coughs> mid to to top tier uh, handsets. 
Um, it's a little bit behind in terms of the hardware, but I guess that's the price you're going to pay uh, at that kind of price. Um, but what I like most about it is just the look. You know, a lot of Android phones, uh, Samsung's in particular, uh, I don't care for because of the plastic sort of feel. You know, they feel mass-produced. So they many feel people cheap. say that. Right, I know. This you is know, the standard. I'm gripe, spending, but, no, but, but listen, if you're going to you, spend 10 grand on a yeah, phone. Why do I, why I'm spending 10 grand on a phone. Why do I need a plastic back is what someone wrote to me at stuff. And I, and I, yeah. you have to agree, you know, even HTC has what, or says that LG's G3 has 20 or 30% metal polymers in the back of their phone, but it feels metallic. You know, and that seems to be that sense of texture is what gives people a sense of quality. Sure, and th- that's what I feel with this device. It's it's got a frustrating for premium Samsung I feel. Think. Yeah, it's got uh, that sort of feel about it. The sort of all metal shell, the glass front, and then these two sort of clear bars across the top and bottom of the device. And the uh, the one along the bottom lights up uh, to show you where the sort of standard home, back, and menu buttons okay. are. So I rather like that. The display is also not right up there with the best. It's uh, only a 1280 by 720 display. It's 4.7 inches, but I think that'll that'll do. I mean, it looks great. You know, when you, you wake it up, uh, I certainly can't complain about the, the resolution. Um, it comes with 16 gig of storage. And then the only things I don't like about them, I mean, I really like the way it looks. I really like the way it feels. Um, I like the operation. It's speedy. <coughs> But then Alcatel went and misstepped right at the end. They've done a really bizarre thing for headphone input. Instead of having a dedicated jack on the device, they've given you a sort of adapter that plugs into the mini USB port that you oh. use to charge it. Oh. And that is just baffling. And there's oh. one other thing. There's no micro SD card. So there's no option to expand the yeah. onboard 16 gig memory. Um, and I feel like those are two really bad decisions on what is otherwise a really stellar device. Yeah, I must say, I, I, I've i seen it around the office. I hadn't noticed the headphone thing. Um, I didn't I, notice it until I found the adapter in the box and went, what the hell is this? I mean, that's just, you know, it's like the in the old days when you bought a product and the battery remotes weren't included. So you had to go back to the store to get the remotes until eventually the manufacturers realized that the kind of disappointment and the fact that the first thing you want to do with a product is have a good experience is bad, and that comes down to usability. I mean, you can't charge it, let me guess, at the same time sure, as using the, same the time headphones. As you use the headphones. And that yeah. means that every other set of headphones you've ever got is useless, and if you get, you know, what happens if you lose the connector, which happens yep. so often. Yeah, unfortunate. But it's a pity it's a letdown, but I think yeah. it speaks really well of the sort of way Alcatel's going. If they, if they least, fix those least, sort of errors, yeah. it's going to be a, the next device is going to be really, really great. Yeah, and, and good thinking. You know, Alcatel was a French brand bought by the Chinese manufacturer TCL, which is, as far as I know, the sixth biggest TV maker in the world. So, yeah, good good, good product from them. I think so, too. I agree with you about the premium feel and quality. And, John, you've, uh, you were telling me uh, earlier about this, uh, this great little device you found. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not like sexy in terms of anything specifically new. It's the JBL Flip, which is a speaker system which I bought off a daily deal site this week. And uh, what's interesting about this is it actually has uh, voice control as well and a yeah. microphone. So you can Bluetooth connect it to your laptop or to your phone and then have a full-on Skype conference call uh, as though you were sitting on a, a very expensive Polycom, yeah. the quality of which is fantastic. And the actual audio in terms of music sound is also fantastic. The range of this thing is amazing. I mean that 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 that's uh, the speaker system. I mean you'd think it was like a so what feature, but my fiance is a lawyer. They do conference calls endlessly, um, and uh, and that would be a really great feature. You were saying that you you travel in Africa a lot and you use it for 
Skype calls, Skype conference calls, yeah. which are better than landline quality. So the, you know, our conference calls are notoriously poor um, across the telecom networks, so and unreliable. So we find that Skype, you know, with very very low bandwidth, is still a much better voice quality uh, for us. So we use it quite a lot for tele for conferencing. Mm. Um, and this is great because you can sit in a coffee shop, powered up, and have a full conference call without necessarily having to be plugged into any major network or major. Um, you know, voice system. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, those polycom systems are really something, but they're not cheap. No, this is this is the poor man's polycom. The poor man's polycom. There you have it. And JBL uh, what, Flip. What do, what do they go for? So I bought it for about five ninety nine. I think they retail for about one four nine nine. It's oh, a special what a good deal. Price. Very good price. I must say, I've been really amazed by how far speaker tech has come. Yeah. You know, the small speakers with the sort of contents quite close together. Still get amazing separation, you know, the sort of two channels, yeah. um, and just can really fill a room. Um, this sort of stuff is just fantastic. And I think I, I bought a pair of what I thought were good sort of Sony speakers in London about 10 years ago for then what seemed a fortune of 50 mm. pounds. Mm. And I plugged them in the other day and was just amazed at how absolutely dreadful they were. Yeah. You know, compared to the smallest dock or I anything know, similar I've had. Yeah, I mean, really, I, uh, I was playing with the, with a Beats pull. Right. Uh, yeah. Until it was stolen from my car in Cape Town. And uh, I was just amazed at the quality over Bluetooth. Sure. You know, you could go anywhere or we just had a cable in the back. It was just brilliant. We went away for the weekend. We use it outside, you know. It's just fantastic sitting at a table, plunk it on the table, listen to great quality. We do this, you know, we, we stress test these things in the stuff office. The beautiful Harman Kardon sound sticks. You remember those see-through? Mm. Yeah. You know, they've got that see-through, that beautiful sound base. If you haven't seen this, it kind of looks like some kind of strange mushroom device, you know, it's got this, the, the, the base and it's, it's very beautiful device. Uh, they've made that into a Bluetooth speaker, which I'm, you know, I'm very excited to play with myself getting a rave review in the office. Um, but yeah, we live in the age of, of, you know, Steve Jobs was right. I'm sorry to say it again. Music, music really does add a lot of value to our lives and, uh, being able to share it with a decent speaker that isn't the tiny little one from, your iPhone. I mean, I've, I had a little Sony Bluetooth. Uh, I forget what its name is. SRS six four something. Um, I just listen to it in hotel rooms just to have good music. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. Really, the only challenge, and it's the same one facing, I think, uh, phones these days, is battery life. Yeah. I mean, stop giving me bigger screens with higher res. Give me a phone that lasts three days. Yeah. Well, we've kind of hit a wall in terms of. Of batteries. So uh, we're moving into the final 10 minutes of the show, and this is traditionally the time where we have either our pick or our pick on. Um, so uh, this is just a chance for uh, our guests and our presenters to talk about the tech they've seen or the things they've seen that they've liked and they haven't liked. Um, what would you say your pick of the week is, young Craig? So I think my pick, uh, again, unusually somewhat a bit like the Alcatel, would be the BlackBerry Z3. Yeah. But it's also my pick on. Okay. So I'll tell you why. It's my pick because it costs 3,000 Rand. Yes. Uh, and it's not a bad device. It feels good. It looks good. Uh, it operates pretty speedily. Um, and it's my pick on because it's the sort of device BlackBerry should have brought out uh, two years ago yeah. when they first unveiled BlackBerry yeah. 10. You know, to, to bring out premium devices that competed with the iPhones and Samsungs of the world back then was just absolutely ludicrous. Um, this device is great. Unfortunately, though, I don't imagine it's going to do terribly well because, again, if you're picking, if you've got sort of 3,000 Rand to spend, 
there are a lot of choices on the market. Yeah. And BlackBerry no longer has that unique. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Nokia Lumia 500. The 530. 530. The Lumia I mean, 630. Fantastic devices for 2,000 really yeah. Rand. Look, it is, it is, um, I met with a, a BlackBerry executive recently and it was, it was a real triumph for the new CEO, uh, Chen, who's, who's, mm. is John Chen. He, um, he brought out, he had that phone. They wanted it in, I think, Indonesia or, or Malaysia. Yeah, I think it was Indonesia. designed for the Malaysian market. And, and they did it within six months and they use it as a real proof point to say we can produce something like this in six months. But again, I have to agree with you. Like what, what took so long, you know, sure. and, 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 and I, I think to some extent I'm seeing from the, from the announcements BlackBerry's making that they finally seem to have cottoned on that if they can't sell the phones, they need to be selling the service, which is the other great thing BlackBerry does, which is provide a very efficient, thorough, reliable email delivery service. And in mm. fact, they should be selling that to all the other phone manufacturers. They, they really have the gold standard in that. So I'd like to, I'd like to see that. Hopefully it would make life. Very good. Thank you, Craig. And uh, John, what would be your uh, pick of the week? So my pick of the week is something that's not hardware related. It's actually um, Lizard Shoot Larry and the Lands of the Land Lizards available on iOS. And really? And iPad and iPhone. And oh, I'm going to go buy that right now. I was blown away when I saw it because it, it, it's, res- it's responsible for many years of, yeah. of exam procrastination. Oh, mine too. <laughs> and uh, it's Leisure actually... Leisure Suit Larry. I was say, God, that makes me feel about 11 without the bad middle parting <laughs> and general awkwardness. It's, uh, it's, no, that's uh, that's still there, Craig. It's, it's, it's complete with tasteless graphics and tasteless references. Um, and it's, uh, as, as I understand it, it's actually the, the community of Leisure Suit Larry fans around the world that actually pushed this uh, project forward. And I think uh, it was funded great. using Kickstarter. So it's quite yeah. interesting... How a Kickstarter project uh, revived an old classic game like Desert Suit Larry. It's a great, it's a great user user interface as well. So that's for me the pick of the week. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I, um, I think Toby's downloading it as we I'm speak. I'm busy downloading as we speak. I think that's really great. Uh, sure, I forgot to think of a pick or a pick on for this week. Um, <laughs> so I will use my executive ability as the uh, as the uh, presenter of the show to say. My God, is that the time? Let's play a little song and uh, we'll listen to this.
And we have a comment from Les Grossman who says the best Bluetooth speaker for quality is the Sony BTX. And it also has a built-in mic, which is a very handy thing. Um, I uh, I think my pick-on of the week is, uh, I suppose, Microsoft cutting off Nokia at its knees. Uh, it's a kind of tragic thing to happen. It's an un, uh, uninspiring way for such a great brand to kind of end up uh, being put into what is it uh, maintenance mode is how they've described the next 18 months of the Asher series. I I think it's a mistake on Microsoft part. The the, the brand power of Nokia is worth everything. So um, uh, that's been it. Thank you very much for joining us on the show, John Kotsaftis, whose day job is the CEO of uh, DSTV Digital. Thank you for being the stand-in geek for the day. Enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, Craig Wilson, thanks for joining us on uh, Cliff Central. You'll be hearing a lot more of Craig, who has joined us at Stuff Magazine as a contributing editor. You'll see his copy flowing on the interwebs. Uh, you can uh, follow us on at Stuff SA. This is at CliffCentral.com on Twitter, uh, on WeChat, Facebook, and Instagram. It's just Cliff Central, and on YouTube we are Cliff Central TV. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, please send us a message via WeChat or email us or tweet us. And uh, we'll be sure to uh, to uh, carry your views on air. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll play out with uh, another song. Uh, um, that's the name of the song. Right. I don't know what it means. Sorry. Anyway, so Toby's not wearing with, his reading glasses. I'm play out with a song. I mean, could they have made the text box smaller so that I could at least read half of the song title? Anyway, I think it's by someone called Drake. I'm here because I like technology, not because I know anything about music. This has been Stuff on Cliff Central. See you next week.